So this morning, we are finally and really now beginning to come to an end of this letter of Galatians. This week, we are going through verse 15, and then next week, we will finish this book. And I say that we're really now coming to an end, because if we had the original written manuscript of this letter in front of us, this ending would be really obvious. And that's because of what we see in verse 11. And so right away, look down with me at verse 11 again. In verse 11, Paul starts this section by writing, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. And that may sound to us, but back then what Paul is doing here was actually quite common. Because in ancient times, people often used a secretary to write letters. Or, or technically, if you prefer the term, we usually call them an influencist letters. And this was true for the Apostle Paul as well, meaning Paul usually dictated his letters to a secretary who was usually a companion of his. But then what was also common was that at the end of the letter, often the one who was dictating it would take up the pen themselves and write the final sentences as a sort of personal note and as a conclusion to the letter. And it's that basically then that we see now going on here in Galatia. Or, or Galatians. Or to say another way, this whole final section of this book is what we call Paul's subscript. The main part of the letter has come to a close, and now the Apostle Paul himself, if you can imagine, is taking up his pen and writing this himself. And not only that, but as you can see, he lets them and he lets us know that he's writing this with large letters which shows that he wants these things to be emphatic. And so these are the final things the Apostle Paul is writing, and these are the emphatic things he wants them and he wants us to know about. And so the question is, what does he write about? What does he want them so much in the conclusion of this letter and want us to know about? And, and the answer is next week, final verses of this letter, he'll end with some words about how we're supposed to walk in live in the gospel and especially God's grace. But for this week, in verses 11 through 15, he brings up one last time false teaching compared to the true gospel and true teaching about Jesus. He decides to write with his own hand about false teaching compared to true Christianity. And hearing that, we may think it seems kind of strange. Just think about it. If, if we Imagine the Apostle Paul picking up his pen finally to write some concluding and personal words. We'd probably think he'd want to write some nice words of encouragement or, or maybe some final words of greetings to certain individuals. And it is true that in some of his other letters, that, but, but he doesn't do that here. And why? Well, because remember, this is what this whole letter of Galatians has essentially been about. It's been about how there are false teachers and false teachings about the gospel, and it's comparing those to the true message about Jesus. And of course, we may hear that and think that just false teaching doesn't seem like that big of a deal, right? especially as we all live in our postmodern age where the air that we all breathe is that, of course, what we do really matters, but what we believe doesn't really matter that much. But, but that's just not the case. And again, that's why as Paul takes up his pen to conclude here, the first thing he does one last time is address and denounce this false teaching. 
Because for all of us, the truth is what we teach about Jesus and what we personally believe about Jesus really does matter. And that's because Jesus is real. He's alive. He's truly God. He came, lived, died, rose. He is coming back. And he has a message, a gospel, good news of hope and salvation for the world. And so the reality is when someone teaches that message wrong, or when people change that message or add to that message, when that happens, it's not just wrong, but it's a big deal. Because as we've seen this letter over and over, when Jesus' message is off, it hurts people. It hinders the gospel, the true gospel going forth, and it doesn't honor Jesus. And so that said, that's what we're going to see Paul do this morning here in verses 11 through 15. He mainly here decides to denounce again false teaching and really denounce the false teachers, but not because he just likes denouncing false teaching, but instead because the true gospel of Jesus is that precious, as we're going to see even clearly this morning in our passage. Which finally then, though, does bring us to our outline of how we'll go through this passage together. That said, to cover these verses, we'll simply have two contrasting sections together this morning. Two contrasting sections. First, we're going to see Paul address the false teachers one last time. And specifically, he's going to show us what lies beneath a lot of false teaching. And so that'll be first. And then second, we'll see Paul talk about what, in contrast, characterizes true teaching and the true gospel of Jesus. And so it's that simple. First, false teaching and what lies beneath it often. And then second, what in contrast characterizes the true message of Jesus. And in all that, as always, we will see, of course, how this applied to them back then, but also how it still applies to us a lot today. But let's then begin our first section together. And for this, we're now going to be in verses 12 and 13. And again, here we're going to see Paul address the false teachers and especially what lies beneath a lot of false teaching. And so now look at verses 12 through 13. We'll read them both. And as we do so, just try to follow along with what Paul is actually saying about these false teachers. Galatians 6, 12 and 13. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So reading that, even if you don't understand all of it, you can get a sense for what Paul is saying about these false teachers. In short, they're not really concerned that much with the Galatians. Instead, they care more about themselves. Their pride, their boasting, their achievements, and in how they can influence the Galatians and how they want. And hearing all that, notice in everything Paul says about them, who is not the false teacher's focus? Who are they apparently not ultimately caring most about? Well, Christ himself, right? And Christ's cross. They claim the name of Christ, but they even want to, be av- they even want to avoid being persecuted for Christ's cross. And just quickly as an application for us, before we do dive more into these verses, we should know that that basic overview is often the case for false teachers and false teachings today as well. And now, of course, this isn't always the case with people who speak false messages about Jesus, but the reality is often, right, with so-called churches or pastors or Christian authors or TV preachers or some YouTubers or whoever, 
often for those who teach certain things that aren't based in the Bible or who add to the Bible and especially who add to Jesus' gospel, often that what's going on behind the scenes is this. It's that they do benefit from changing the message in some way. And so overall, that's what Paul is basically saying here, and that is something just right away to look out for. But that's a, now to really break these verses further down, if we look closely, what we're going to see here is Paul identifies sort of two external things that these meant for these false teachers, and then two more internal things in these verses. And in, in fact, I don't know if this was intentional by Paul, but if you look at verses 12 through 13 more closely, there's essentially four clauses or four half sentences in those two verses, two in verse 12, two in verse 13. And the two external things are more on the outside clauses, the beginning of 12 and the end of 13, while the two internal things are happen to be in the middle, which is, which is helpful. But anyway, with that said, let's now break these down and see those external and internal things that the Bible says concerning these false teachers. And we'll begin with the external. And so begin on this first, look again at the beginning of verse 12. Because there Paul says, quote, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And, and so what's going on there? Well, in short, the, the Bible is saying here that these false teachers are teaching what they're teaching wrongly about Jesus because they want to make a good showing. <laughs> Meaning they want to look good. And, and not only that, but they want to make a good showing in the flesh, which if you've been here for a while, you know in Galatians that phrase, the flesh, is talking about focusing on us. And our efforts, as opposed to Christ and what he's done for us and his spirit. Right? And so seeing that, right away I think that that first line then of verse 12 is even a helpful way of just showing what was really going on with the goal of these Galatian false teachers. Right? And this still happens today. Because if you want to boil down this false teaching in Galatia, it was that they denied that Jesus was God or Savior or King risen or anything like that. They believed all of those things. They even taught those things. Instead, these false teachers added to the gospel, saying that you have to believe in Jesus and obey enough and be circumcised in order to be saved. And why were they doing that? And why do people add to the message of Jesus all the time today? Well, in short, often it's this. Often it's because, as Paul says here in the beginning of verse 12, they want to make a good showing in the flesh. Meaning, they want to take all of this about us being saved by Jesus alone and the glory of God and make it about them and us and what we do. Right? They want to sure believe in Jesus. Everyone just in the name of Jesus wants to believe in Jesus, but really, they want to make a good showing. Right? They want to look good. They want to be good, known as good religious people. And this happens today, for example, when people want to believe in Jesus or talk about God, basically, just so you can be known as a religious standing or church-going or good person. Which all the while, just hearing that, you can realize it makes Christianity really not about Jesus, but about us. <laughs> and so that's the first external thing that was going on with these false teachers. But that now leads to the second external thing. And this now is at the end of verse 13. So look there now. The end of verse 13, quote, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. And to us that may sound weird, boast in your flesh is essentially getting at is that these false teachers didn't only want to boast in what they did, and, but also they wanted to boast in how they made others do it as 
Right? And this is common too, especially in the name of religion. Because to sum up what we've seen so far, first, typical religion and false teaching is often mainly about what I do, but then it's often also about boasting in what we do. Right, about our obedience, about who we are as an organization or a church, or how good or religious we are. And so those are the two external things. But that then leads to the two internal things. And it's here that Paul, inspired by God, is piercing in his judgment about what's actually going on. Because now we're about to see how God inspired Paul to look at all this and not just see what the false teachers did externally, but also going on inside of them. And so now for this, we'll be at the beginning of verse 12, and the end of verse 12, beginning of verse 13. So we'll start at the end of verse 12. So they want to make a good showing in the flesh, quote, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And now that is revealing. And if you remember this idea of being persecuted for the cross, actually came up in chapter 5, 11 already in this letter where Paul said, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? And, and we said there that what's so fascinating about that and what was going on back then is that these false teachers were adding to the gospel in order to make it more palatable and so not be persecuted. Meaning they knew that if they taught that salvation was really by Jesus alone, by grace through faith alone, and not in obedience to the law, and not in what we do, they knew that people wouldn't like that. Because people like it having a lot to do with us and our obedience and our merits. And that's then what Paul is getting at here now in chapter 6. These, these false teachers were adding to the gospel first because they were trying to make a good showing. But then also internally, the reason they did it was so that they wouldn't be persecuted. Meaning they wanted to look good and even underneath that, to be liked and suffer for teaching true gospel. And quickly for us, this, this doesn't happen in the same exact way today because by God's grace, most of us are not persecuted if we believe teach the true gospel of Jesus, although that is not the case for many of our brothers and sisters all over the world who are persecuted for the gospel of Jesus. But that being said, for us here in the West and in America, this doesn't happen in the same way. And yet, in general, what we see here is still an underlying case of false teaching that happens. Because think about it, the main reason false teaching often changes the message about Jesus is because they want to make it more palatable and because people like the message being changed and because then it's easier. For example, people don't like to hear about the reality of sin. And so, in false teaching, sin can get taken out or downplayed. Or people don't like to hear about how Jesus is actually the only way to God and the only Savior, and so that can be taken out. Right? Or on the flip side, people don't like to hear that our good works don't contribute to our salvation. Or people don't like to hear that Jesus doesn't exist to rich. And so, in false teaching, those things can be added in. And more examples could be given, but in basic, the idea is what often lies beneath a lot of false teaching is this same desire to appeal to what people want and to avoid the negative reactions that sometimes come with the true gospel. And so that's the first internal 
Now this is a good amount, but that finally then leads to the last infernal thing. And now this is in the beginning of verse 13. And so one last time on these false teachers, look there again, the beginning of verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. And so now here we see one final common characteristics about false, characteristic about false teachings, and that's that they ask you to do something, but they often don't do it themselves. Right? And we know that that's what Paul is getting at, because remember, what has been the overarching message we know of these false teachers in Galatia? Well, it's that you must believe in Jesus and keep the law. That's their message. But guess what? Paul says they themselves don't even keep the law. And now on the one hand, that's because as the Bible's made clear, no one can keep the law. Right? That's why we need Jesus. But then also, and perhaps even more insightful from Paul here, is the fact that these false teachers don't keep the law probably because while they're asking you to do it, in reality, they don't really care that much about it themselves. And, and this then is similar to what our Lord Jesus said about the Pharisees, right? For example, in Matthew 23, where he said, quote, They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Right, and this then applies, for example, just, just to be blunt, with when, when a false teacher on TV is telling people, desperate for hope and healing, to sacrifice and send in their hard-earned money so that they can bless it and multiply it, all the while, they're flying around on private jets in the name of Jesus. And so that's verses 12 and 13. And I know there's a lot, but that was Paul's final way of addressing these false teachers to the Galatians. And, and hearing all that, for us then, before we do move on to our second section and applying everything there to ourselves, once again, it is obvious, but hearing that, we need to realize that what Paul is saying there is not just words that applied to them back then. Instead, we do need to know that false teaching in the name of Jesus still happens all the time today as well. And that's why, brothers and sisters, we all so deeply need to be about God's Word and what it actually says in the true biblical gospel. Because the truth is, we don't talk about this very often these days in churches, but Jesus Himself warned us frequently, that there would be false teachers in his name. And so did his apostles. And in fact, and maybe you've noticed this, when you read the New Testament, Jesus during his earthly ministry and the apostles in their writings, they weren't that frequently concerned with the teachings of the world. For example, Jesus didn't as frequently boldly address the teachings of Rome around him. Nor did the apostles write that frequently denouncing the Greco-Roman philosophy and morals of the day. They did a little bit, but instead, what is overwhelmingly the emphasis of our New Testaments, both in Jesus' earthly ministry and in the writings of the apostles? Well, Jesus and the apostles over and over were addressing false teaching in God's name, in Jesus' name. I mean, Jesus did that with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Paul and Peter and John and the other apostles did it with many different types of groups of people who were claiming the name of Jesus, but who were misrepresenting him and changing his message. 
And so again, for us today, brothers and sisters, we need to realize that when it comes to us caring so much about Jesus and his actual message, and when it comes to us thinking about what we need to watch out for, the reality that there is false teaching like this in the name of Jesus needs to be an emphasis of ours as well. Because, because really concerning the world, we, we most of all should understand that they don't claim to know Jesus. They don't. And so, of course, they don't follow God or biblical morality. And that's why Jesus and his apostles didn't primarily address the world's teaching and morality. Because for the world, the main goal, right, is to get them to know Jesus and to trust in Jesus, to understand the gospel, and then following God and more Christ-like morality will come. But on the other hand, when it does come to those who are claiming the name of the God of the Bible, and especially claiming the name of Jesus and teaching his message, and yet they're changing his message. It is that which is a big deal. Because it is hurtful to people and to Christ's gospel. Because one last time, Jesus Christ is alive. He is real. He does save. And he has a message of good news of salvation for the whole world. And so when people twist and change his message, it's not just wrong but it's hurtful to others. It doesn't save people, and it does not glorify the real risen Jesus. So that's our first section. I know it's heavy, but in a way, that partly summarizes a lot of what we have seen in Galatians. Because Galatians has, has been a lot about this false teaching in the name of Jesus. But that said, this letter hasn't mainly been about just false teaching. Rather, this letter of Galatians has mainly been about Jesus. And that's then what we're going to see in our second section. So now we'll move on to our second section. For this, we'll be in verses 14 and 15. And now here again, we will see what in contrast to false teaching characterizes true teaching and the true message of Jesus. And you can see for yourself, Paul now is about to make this contrast because the first verse 14 is that word, but. And so these are the false teachers, false teachings. Watch out for that. But... So look down in your Bibles and read verses 14 and 15. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision, nor, nor for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So what in contrast characterizes true teachers? true message about Jesus compared to false teaching? Well, if we wanted to break these verses down, we see two overarching things here, two things. First, we see some of the content that distinguishes true teaching and false teaching. And then we see a difference of motives between false teaching and true teaching. So content and motives, and we'll take those one at a time. So first, as for content, We'll see something in verse 14 and in verse 15. So first, in verse 14, notice, if the false teachers subtly make it all about themselves and us and boast in what they do and what they can make others do, what does the true Apostle Paul, who was sent by the risen Jesus in contrast, make it all about? What does he boast in? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And, and, and that's a big difference. And in fact, specifically, just say, but I in contrast boast in Jesus. 
Instead, he makes it even more emphatic. He says, but far be it from me, which is that famous Greek phrase that Paul uses elsewhere, meganoito, which is translated something like, may it never be. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in contrast, Paul's emphatically clear about his boast. It's Jesus. And, and specifically, it's not just that he boasts in Jesus, but with that far be it from me idea, Paul basically here is looking at the reality of Jesus Christ. And, and he's looking at the fact that Jesus has a gospel message for the world. And he's thinking about the fact that people really need that message. And he's looking specifically at Jesus' cross. And with all of that swirling around in his conclusion here, in contrast to false teaching with his own handwriting, it leads him to cry out, man, compared to all of that about Jesus being true, may it never be that I fall so low to boast in myself and what I can do or what I can make others do in their flesh. May it never be. Instead, look at Jesus. I can really only boast and who he is, and what he has done in his cross. And on that, for you and me, I, I think that even though, as you can see, Paul here is technically writing this about himself, he certainly writes this as an example for us as well. Because in a way, this is what we should feel too, meaning this is what we should feel about teachers and teachings in the name of Jesus. This, in a way, can be a litmus test for true teaching about Jesus. Does the teacher, does the church, does the doctrine emphasize and boast in what they do, they church or organization does in the flesh, or do they talk a lot about and boast in Jesus and Jesus' cross? And so we should feel that about teachers and teachings, but also this is how we should feel about our lives as Meaning when we look at who we are in our Christianity and our day-to-day -day lives should be our ultimate feeling boasting in Christ. And, and I'm hearing that. Let, let's be honest, right? We know we're all weak. We all get tired and tempted. We all get caught up sometimes in the world. Right? We are creatures and sinners. But that said, I, I do think that for us as Christians, we should somewhere inside of us feel this statement that Paul says here in verse 14. Because think about it, what it means to be a Christian to trust in Jesus and His cross. And, and when we really do that, what starts to happen is we feel this, man, I am really forgiven. Jesus is truly that loving. God is really that gracious and kind and merciful. And then, as a result of that, our heartfelt cry, like Paul, becomes, and so far be it from me to boast in anything except in Christ meaning really believing the gospel, we start to feel this, forget that much about me. He's the best. Compared to the gospel, I mean, who am I to think that I'm so great or that what I do for him is so important? Now and forever, ultimately, it is about him. And finally, on that notice, it's not just that Paul and that we boast in Jesus, but specifically we do boast in Jesus' cross. And, and that's interesting to dwell on because Paul could have said, but far be it from me to boast in Christ, but he brings up the cross. And, and why might that be? Well, because think, think about it. As, as we've seen, what false teaching often does, you want to boil it down, is it excites our pride. It excites our pride. It, it makes it about us. 
and what we do for God. But on the other hand, what does the cross of Jesus show us? (laughs) What really does the cross of Christ emphasize? Well, it shows us that we can't be what it's all about. (laughs) Instead, what is the good news of the universe, brothers and sisters? Well, it's that first, we are sinners. We are the rebellious, broken ones. We're the ones who can't redeem ourselves or heal ourselves or rescue ourselves. But our Lord Jesus Christ came. He lived that perfect life and he saved us by going to the cross, suffering in our place. And so we can't boast in ourselves. We're weak, twisted, broken, unworthy, transgressors and sinners without hope on our own. But Jesus saves us. And so we boast in Him and His cross. And so that's the content in verse 14 that characterizes true teaching, the true message about Jesus compared to false teaching. But then there's also some content about the true gospel in verse 15. So quickly look there again. So we boast only in the cross. Paul adds in verse 15, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision but a new creation. And, and now on that, we know from studying this book of Galatians, Paul in a way here is just kind of summarizing his stance on this circumcision issue, which was the crucial issue. Because these false teachers were saying that you must be circumcised, and Paul is saying that you didn't need to be circumcised. But notice, that's not all he says. He doesn't just say that circumcision isn't necessary. Instead, he goes bigger. <laughs> it isn't being circumcised or not being circumcised. That is too small. Instead, what counts is being made anew. And, and that creation is the same word that used when they were talking about the creation of the whole world. And it's the word that Paul also famously uses in 2 Corinthians 5.17 where he says, quote, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And so the idea here is what matters, what counts, isn't what you or I can do for God. Circumcision, uncircumcision. That's what the false teachers are trying to talk about. And, and, and instead, as a quick side note though, it, it is true. It is true. Once we do believe in Jesus, we do want to obey Him. We do want to follow Him. We do want to love Him. But still, that is not our emphasis. That's not ultimately what counts. That's way too small. Instead, what counts is how Jesus died on the cross to save us and how he makes us new, new creations. And finally on this, the reason Paul probably says this here with his own pen in the context especially of false teaching is because if you think about it in comparison to false teaching, which again is about our pride and about you doing better for God, you obeying better, you following God better, this really is totally different. Because all other religions and all other false versions of Christianity basically are about morality and being good. Right? They're essentially about being better people for God. But that is not what Christianity is all about. Christianity is not about obeying better and just trying to be good. Instead, what is Christianity all about? Well, it's about Jesus coming, living, dying on the cross, rising, saving us, and making us totally new. It isn't about what you and I can do better and try to be more moral for God and trying to make up for our wrongs. Please hear me. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Instead, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus alone rescues us and saves us and gives us hope and He makes us new. That's what counts. New creations. It's like the creation of the world again, but with individuals whom Jesus saves. And so all that said, that's then the difference in content in verses 14 and 15 between the false teachers and true gospel, which finally then leads us to our last part of our passage, and that's the difference of motives between false teachers and the true gospel. And I want to point this out because in a way, this really, this motive idea is really what makes this passage here quite unique. Because there are many times when the Apostle Paul compares false teaching with the true gospel, but what makes this paragraph sort of unique is how he really compares the motives of these teachers. Because remember, with the false teachers... Their motives included wanting to make a good showing to the world and boasting in their flesh. But what about Paul? And what about you and I as Christians? Well, it's about boasting in Jesus, which we already talked about. But then, as for further motive, notice again what Paul says at the end of verse 14. The end of verse 14. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so it's not only that we boast in Christ, but apparently as we boast in Christ and in his cross, quote, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so the question is, what does that mean? And to answer that first, we know that it doesn't mean that once we trust in Jesus, we no longer care about those in the world. We know this because, for example, Paul himself was the apostle to the Gentiles, to the nations, and we also want to love people and reach the world for Jesus. And so it does not mean that we no longer care about those in the world. Instead, what does this mean? We'll think about the context here. Paul was just talking about how these false teachers cared so much about the world's opinion, about looking good to those in the world. But what about him? And what about us? Well, in short, we've been crucified to the world in that way and the world to us. And both of those statements are actually pretty important because first, the idea that the world's been crucified to me means that to me, the world is is dead. Meaning, I no longer care ultimately about what the world thinks. I am so about the cross of Christ and what he did that I care about him and no longer like these false teachers about the world's opinion. And and that makes sense, but then, what about the, I've been crucified to the world? (laughs) What does that mean? Well, sure, I think it means that concerning not just my view of the world, but also we need to realize, in a sense, the world's view of us as Christians, through the cross, we've in a way died to them. To them, we're dead. And that's, I think, the last thing this passage teaches us. This is true for Paul, and this is true for all of us as Christians, because while false teachings, and sadly many false professing Christians, still mainly so badly want the world's acclaim and the world's good opinion, the reality is we as Christians now deep in our bones are no longer all about that. Instead, we are those who boast in Christ and in Christ's cross, and then because of that, we can say that in a sense, through the cross, the world has died to us meaning we are no longer those who care so much about the world's opinion. We, of course, want to reach the world and love the world, but we don't live for the world. But not only that, but also being so about the cross, in a way, we can say that in the cross, 
we've also died to the world. In a certain sense, we don't matter that much anymore to them. But overall, that's okay. It's okay that the world's died to us and us to the world because in the end, brothers and sisters, we have something way better. And that is Jesus and his gospel and his cross. And that's why we can feel and we can genuinely say, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so that's our passage, church. And that's the beginning here of what Paul wrote with his own hand in big letters, showing us what he wants these Galatians and us to keep in mind as this book comes to a close. First, he wants us to keep in mind and remember that there's really false teaching about Jesus out there. And then second, in contrast, he wants us to be people like him who look at Jesus, at Jesus' cross and how Jesus makes us new and ultimately boast in Christ. And so finally, for us, as we close, church, let's make sure we do this first concerning false teaching. Let's first make sure that we are believing the true gospel of Jesus, which is that we are saved and loved and okay with God by grace alone, not because of what we do through Jesus alone and what he has done. And though along with that, let's be careful of false teaching out there. Because one last time, the reality is, as Jesus warned us, there is a lot of false teaching in his name in our world. It's in books, it's on TV, it's on YouTube, it's on podcasts, it's in conversations you might have with someone, it's online, it's all over. And so while we don't want to be overly harsh or think we have it all figured out or anything like that, yet one last time, we all must be people who care so much about what God's word actually says in Jesus' gospel. And whenever anyone does add to the gospel, or twists or downplays God's word, or makes the message mainly about us instead of Jesus, all of which happen all the time, we do need to watch out for that. And so let's watch out for false teaching, but then second, in contrast, and positively, again, let's be people who are all about Jesus and his cross and how he saves us and how he makes us new, because in the end, far be it from us ultimately to boast in anything, but in this gospel, in this Jesus, and his cross. Amen? Man, let's pray. Let's pray.